Hey there, folks. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you're doing, I hope you're enjoying it. It's a wonderful episode 131 of the Uticast. We are joined this week by my uh, charming middle sister, Kelly Bailey, talking about her Chicago-based business, Happy Belly Chefs, uh, while we drink coffee after Christmas breakfast. I'm also joined by GFOP Cliff Montoni, who's filling in for Heather because I told her she should uh, stay and enjoy Christmas with her family. And of course, Kevin is here. A little shorter Christmas episode, good times to be had by all i'm very excited you're back folks merry christmas Merry Christmas to all our loyal, wonderful Uticast listeners. This is the first time we've done the show right on Christmas, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It's a Christmas miracle that we'll actually get a show out today, (laughs) considering how busy uh, it is. Welcome back, folks. Episode 131 of the Uticast. Uh, I, of course, am Sam Famolaro, joined as always by Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Heather is... With her family on Christmas and her wonderful husband and child, so I told her not to bother coming in today. Uh, we do have our good friend, longtime part of the show, GFOP, Cliff Montoni is back wearing a luxurious white fur robe. Hey. <laughs> it looks good, right? I really like that you went full no shirt underneath it. 100% were, shirtless. Oh my god. <laughs> That's right. It's a Christmas present to yes. all of us here in the and studio. And a glass of red wine while I'm at it. Uh, so again, folks, Merry Christmas! Uh, I'll start. Kev, how was your uh, how's your Christmas going so far? So far, so good. It's been um, mellower than in years past. Mm. Things are not, you know, when you're younger, you got to go around everywhere to see every different set of relatives and everybody. Um, hasn't quite been like that this year, but it's all right because I'll tell you, I'll take the the couple days of rest. Mm. It's the best Christmas yeah. gift you can get. Oh, the gift of sleep and time. Uh, Cliff, I see you admiring those turkey joints I got as a gift for my dad for Christmas. Those are a yearly Christmas tradition. I'm feeling good about this. Yeah. Do you, you know what? I'm glad you said that because I feel like in general, a lot of my my close personal friends don't love the turkey joints. They're not super like they're only okay. Yeah, don't trust those people. Sorry, Kev. <laughs> it's all right. They're outrageously expensive. I, there is it's insane how expensive they are. We live a life of luxury yeah. on Leslie. We do. It's yeah. true. White fur robes uh, and turkey joints. So to start off the show. Um, my guest this week, uh, I didn't want to hassle anyone on the holidays, so I decided to go in-house, and I brought in an interview uh, that's been a long time coming. My middle sister, uh, Kelly Bailey, is our interview this week. Nice. Uh, wonderful. It's a family affair. Family affair, yeah. She was nice enough to spend 40 minutes with me after the kids went off to play with their electronic devices, <laughs> and we had coffee. And we talked a lot about her. Uh, she went to Syracuse University, musical theater degree. She uh, did Broadway acting, uh, voice uh, voice work. She's done a lot of stuff, and now she owns a culinary cooking company called Happy Belly Chefs in Chicago. So mm-hmm. we're talking awesome. about that. Yeah, yeah, she's killing it. I love it. Hey, on my phone just now, I got a reminder. Uh, there's a Christmas present for all of our Netflix fans. Planet Earth Two is on right now, yes. so I can watch Planet Earth Two. Another Christmas gift. That is, that is pretty excellent. <laughs> yeah, see you guys in a week. <laughs> yeah. So thanks to, to my my wonderful sister Kelly. Uh, Karen, I'm going to get you on here sometime too. Karen, you're next. The story of Karen. Hey, I'll I'm get both of my sisters on. 
Are you sweating in that robe? I'm breaking a little bit of a sweat here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm glistening, uh, if you will. Bit off more than you can chew with robe life. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of my sister, Kelly, uh, we've talked about this in passing. Kevin, you were nice enough earlier this year to give my nephew, Oliver, uh, a guitar. Yes. You gave him one of your, uh, your Squire Telecasters. It was around the studio floating around. Yes. Uh, so my sister... Uh, decided she was going to give you a gift, so here's your oh, gift for my that's sister. Very nice. A little bad radio. You can open it here on the air. Unwrap it live. Yeah, unwrap it live. Uh, oh, I just got a message from Heather via okay. text as he's opening this. Uh, she says, "Hey, I uh, hope you guys have Merry Christmas. I have gifts for you. I'll bring them by next week. Uh, we miss you, Heather. I can't wait to see you next week. Very, very excited. Thoughtful. Yeah, love you guys. Uh, all right, great. So I assume this, I'm looking oh, at this very gift. Nice. Oh, she got your gift card. It's an Amazon card. All right, excellent. It's a gift for everyone. Yeah. Also, I want you to look at this card that my nephew wrote for you. Okay. I have not seen it. It's sight okay. unseen. But uh, I also have a funny story about it after you've looked at it. So, again, bad bad radio for one minute. I'm going to give you the card that I've not looked at that my nephew Oliver filled out for okay. you. Okay. Okay. So here you go. Radio. It's a blue card, and it's got Santa Claus with a reindeer on it, and, and Kevin has opened it. It says, Merry Christmas. Thank you for the guitar. It was very nice of you to give it to me. Have a great Christmas. Wow. <laughs> okay. Oliver's a sweet kid. I'm going to tell you what happened, and uh, Kelly might laugh at me for this. Uh, what apparently happened in Oliver's mind is that he filled out a card for you already mm-hmm. in Chicago. Right. A couple weeks ago, uh-huh. and mailed it to you. He was ah. under this impression. So when my sister today said, hey, you got to fill out that card for Kevin for giving you the guitar, he goes, I already filled out the card. She goes, no, you didn't. She goes, yeah, yeah, I filled it out, and I sent, we sent it, right? She sent it in the mail. And she's like, no, you're, no, no, you didn't. You need to fill the card. And he was obstinate that he filled out this card. So I think that what you have here is, although it's a card, I think it's a passive-aggressive card from a, from a nine-year-old. <laughs> oh, <see>? hey, <laughs> I already did this. Yeah. I already did this, yeah. uh, and now I'm forced hey, to Hey, man, do it's it. a really nice guitar, but how many cards do you need? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's so funny, my, my nephew, I said, this, I said this maybe to you, Kevin, last night, for years I have been waiting for one of my nieces and nephews to sort of get into something that, uh, that I've been into, right, whether it's dinosaurs yeah. or soccer or whatever, anything, superheroes. Finally, this year, Oliver is into uh, The Simpsons uh, and Pink Floyd. Wonderful. Those are the two things. Hey, bright future <laughs> yeah. racket. So excited. Yeah. Cliff, what are your, uh, I feel like I, I may have skipped over you here a what? second. What were your plans for this beautiful Christmas day? Uh, you're looking at it. This is it. Yeah, shirtless robe, red wine. Yeah, let's talk about the red wine. You you yeah. are very excited for this red wine. Yeah, man, I made it, it's uh, 316 on Christmas, and this is the first drop of red wine that I've had, so, you it's know. It's not bad for Christmas. Thanks, I try, you know. Montoni 316 says, I just drank some wine. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to get right. you that on a, on a plaque. Or <laughs> um, were you, like, with the fam or something? I feel like I haven't seen you in a couple days. Have you been, you been gone, though? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I left yesterday, went to see my parents. We had dinner with the neighbors, which is nice. We've always had, like, a sort of laissez-faire relationship with our neighbors. No problems, but we just simply don't associate, which is very on brand <laughs> for us. Um, but, yeah, we went over and had some dinner. We, uh, we discussed garlic. I know a lot about garlic now. Uh, yeah, man, garlic. Yeah, yeah. Some, I saw some refurbished bikes from the 30s, which was crazy. The the like neighbor bicycles? Re- rebuilds or? bicycles, hmm. yeah, from the 30s. He has the bike he had when he was 13, and he redid the entire thing. Um, and it's just in beautiful mint condition, of course, never to be ridden, only admired. 
Uh, but <laughs> of course, why? It's always wild when somebody's got a really specific hobby like that. Like, yeah, yeah I restore vintage children's bicycles. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. All right, man. <laughs> it's badass. It's really, really cool. Well, yeah, it's always funny, because you'll find somebody who has some weird hobby, and you're like, you must have just somewhere along the way. I'm always stuff. curious as to where somebody gets into like a really, really specific hobby like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, where it comes from. Yeah, it's I, interesting. I introduced my parents to uh, the the fire stick, so that was kind of cool. It's going to be difficult to get them to actually navigate and understand that. I like, was going to say, how was the technological yeah, adaptation from the yeah, sixty-year-olds? Yep, they. You know, it's. I pretty much guarantee they will never ever use it, but I have my hopes. So, um, I got them Prime, so they can they can use Prime, and I'm trying to teach my mom to use the buttons so that she can order stuff without having to actually go to the store and get it. That's my hope. Right. So she start using the the dash buttons. Quick Amazon plug. Feel free to sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, Amazon HQ, South Utica. Yeah, Love it. Right, HQ yeah. too. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually bought my dad an Alexa or a, a Fire Stick this year mm-hmm. for his house. Mm-hmm. And I told this story, I think, last week that I snuck into his house to see if his TV had uh, an HDMI right. on the back. Because yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I bought this. So I was like, yes, awesome. It's there. I'm feeling good. So I gave it to him, and I'm thinking about it, and I go, Son of a bitch doesn't have a wireless router. No Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi in his house because he's an old man. Yep. So now i got to take the wireless router out that we don't use over here and bring right, it over right, to him right, and hook right, it up right. now. See? But uh, I thought I was in the clear. Yep. Apparently not. Damn you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to share with you quickly a couple highlight gifts I got this year from the fam. Again, a little bad radio. I have it in front of me. This is a board game called Profiles, uh, the biography guessing game. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, Sounds right up my alley. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, so I'll give you a quick example. You want an example from All right, back? let's go. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right. yeah. It's a sports one. Okay. Besides my six foot nine frame, I was an excellent wingman with the speed and quickness of a guard. I led North Carolina to the NCAA championship in 1982 with the help of freshman Michael Jordan. The team that chose me in the 1982 draft kept me for all my NBA seasons. I would help lead them to more NBA championships than any other team in the 1980s. Wow. Anyone want to take a shot? Uh, yeah, James Worthy. There it is right there. Wow. James Worthy. James Worthy. Lakers the late show over James here. James Worthy. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Lakers would have to yeah. know. So there you go. There the game profiles. I think this will be an interesting This edition. is going to be fun. This will be fun. Absolutely. And also, uh, more sophisticated for all you savages out there, you know, playing playing uh, adult board games. We're playing profiles with biographies. Okay? <laughs> did, you, did you see the less sophisticated uh, game that I got uh, GFOP Justin Parkinson for no, Christmas? No, what was it? Okay, I got Justin Parkinson a game for Christmas called Drunk, Stoned, or Stoned. Stupid, ah. and it's a board game very much yes. like yes, <laughs> just, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a game called it's a game very much like apples to apples, and the idea is there's you take the card out and there's different things on the card, so it'll say something like would stay awake till three in the morning eating burritos, and the idea is if you have five or six people, you have to argue who at the table this card most associates oh my God. with. Do you know the number of times I've found like half cooked taquitos into our in our in our toaster oven? <laughs> like, Parkinson just wins that one. That's automatic. Well, so that's the thing. It's an argument yeah. game, right? And I, yeah. I almost gave this game to my family, and then decided, <laughs> no, this is a game for my friends because this is yeah. very dangerous. Oh, this is gonna be good. We're gonna have a good evening on what our type hands. of game. People yeah. getting in fights at the table. Yeah. Also, this is another gift I'm very pleased with. This is my Ooh. Twin Peaks Sheriff Department <laughs> mug. This is a very Twin Peaks heavy Christmas for me. Kev got me the Twin Peaks Final Dossier novel. Thank you very much. Hey. I appreciated it. Yeah, and then my mom got me the older Twin Peaks novel. So I'm loaded with Twin Peaks uh, 
expository material. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Which is just what you wanted. Always. I remember you, you were talking needed. like two weeks ago. You were talking about your Amazon wish list. I was wondering to buy me Twin Peaks stuff. Yeah, they all just <laughs> want to be Twin Peaks yeah. stuff. Uh, and then finally, this is sort of the gift for the house. My sister, because she loves chefs and cooking, she got me uh, this uh, beautiful... Uh, brand new knife. We have a, no, a, a dope chef's knife now. Nice. So we Big can year for Twin Peaks and knives. Knives and Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, right. Very dark Christmas. Um, all right. I guess what are we at? We're about eleven minutes. I had a couple. Eh, let's just go to the interview with my sister. It's a good segue since she gave us that beautiful chef's knife. There you hey. go. Thanks. Uh, so, like I said, my sister. Um, you know, me and my sister Karen and Kelly. Uh, probably we're, we're pretty close, even though our age difference is is there, right? Kelly and mm-hmm. Karen were born very close to each other, and I was. Potentially an accident. Shh. Never. Yeah, just saying. Potentially. Huh. Ten years is a big gap between kids. I'm just saying. Just saying. It's true. Love you, Ma. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Love you, Ma. Uh, no, my mom's the best. My mom actually... So my mom and my stepdad both make appearances in this interview because they can't understand the idea of staying out of the room I told them to stay out of yeah. for 25 minutes. Wonderful. <laughs> my mom's like in the window for one of them like waving. She's like, I need to get the roast. I'm like, ah, all right, I'm, I'm pause. Well, what are you doing doing an interview in the room that's got the roast in it? Well, she had to go through the room. To, it's, uh, it, the house is very... Uh, it, I was doing it at the coffee table. It's not unlike one. this one. It's not yeah. unlike this room. Yeah. Everything's sort of connected. Yeah. Mom's house is a Christmas wonderland right now. It's beautiful, by oh, the way. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. All right, so anyway, uh, let's go to my pretty extensive interview, actually, with my uh, wonderful middle sister, uh, Kelly Christine Famolaro Bailey, not hyphen. It's just Kelly Bailey. We'll go with that, of Happy Belly Chefs. We'll be back in just a moment. Uh, I don't do. I don't normally do uh, proper intros, but I feel like it's important to give some context to where we are. Uh, I'm sitting here in my mother's living room at her house in Clinton, New York, with my beautiful middle sister, Kelly Christine Famolaro Bailey. Yes, yeah. that's is that your full name? <laughs> I, I, yeah, probably. Did you ever have any moment where you thought, you know what, I should get the hyphen? I should keep Famolaro. No. You gave it up quick. You were no. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you're familiar with the name Famolaro, so you know how quickly someone might want to rid themselves of it. Uh, my girlfriend in New York, who I've talked about many times in the show, Aaron Arthur, had a great last name, and I always used to tell her, I was like, if we ever get married, I'm going to take your last name. I'm going to be Sam oh, Arthur. Arthur? Arthur? Yeah. Oh, I'll like be that. Sam Arthur, and that's that's a stronger last name. Yeah. At least more theatrical. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's... It's good. The context is there, and I'm very happy to see you for Christmas. This is one of, like, the, what, two times a year we really yeah. generally get yeah. to hang? And, of course, I'm here, Kelly Christine Bailey. It's so nice to see you here. <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, and we're wearing our jammies. I know. I know. <laughs> How often do you get to interview in your jammies? More than you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> because it's in my house, it's a lot of stuff. You know what's funny, though? And I was thinking about this last night. I never wear pajamas. Never once to... I wear What do you sweat, mean? What do you wear? Sweatpants. Uh, like, if it's in the summertime, just boxer shorts or whatever. I don't wear pajamas, necessarily. Except for on Christmas, because it's for mom. And she always gets me these giant 
floaty pajamas that I can't move around <laughs> in. Like I'm in like I'm in the water. Well, if you're if you're more clear with her that what you really want is a old time football jersey crop top and a pair of super cropped sweatpants. <laughs> Some if you Zumbas. were just clear with her about it, maybe you would get the kind of pajamas that you wanted. <laughs> you are here for Christmas. I need to ask you. You're uh, you're a wonderful singer. You've always been a singer songwriter kind of person. What is your best and worst Christmas song before we get into the interview proper? Oh God, uh, Mary, did you know? Are you familiar with that? No, you talked to me about this, and I don't know this one. That there is a version of that song with Kenny Rogers. Oh, I do love Kenny. Somebody else, some country singer, and it is just painful because it's a little on the sexy side, but like it's kind of a dirty Christmas song. Like uh, it's really unpleasant. Okay, so I really hate. uh, I heard this one this week. There's an Elvis version of it, a Blue Christmas, which I don't like. You're, oh, hey, you don't like that? No, I don't like that one. It's like a classic. I don't know. I don't care for no? it. But <laughs> I don't mind that one, but there was one that came out by this band, Bright Eyes, who was this like sort of sad emo band that did a cover of it, and mm. somehow it's even more depressing, and it's like, ugh. You really, it's like, I'm going to kill myself on Christmas should be the name of this oh. song. It's Have super you heard dark. the Christmas Shoes? Do you okay, remember that? yeah, I remember that. Country one. Mom likes that one, I think. Oh, no. Does she not like it? It's awful. Uh, I, no, she probably does. She probably does, she probably I'm sure. Does. I'm Sorry, Mom. Um, no, it's like, it's it's all about like a little boy's got no shoes for Christmas, but it's also got that like, I love America stank on yes. it too, so it's like a double whammy. It's like proud to be an American and a super sad Christmas song had a baby. It's the same thing with... Like Little Drummer Boy, right? Like, the whole point of the song is, I'm so poor, I can't get you a present, so I'm just going to play a reverie on the drums, right? Yeah. That's it. Like, I'm just going to hit this drum for Christmas. It's the musical version of a little match girl. <laughs> it Doesn't is. she, like, die at it the is. end and she freezes to death yes. with, like, holding the last match in her hand or something? Don't you wish that those were, like, the stories our kids... Kids don't read these stories anymore. Have your kids ever read any of these horrible, like, Grimm's fairy tale I stories? I tell my children a horribly sad story every night before bed just to keep Do them you? in line. Just yeah. That's good. Yeah. This is uh, the real world, kids. So, uh, I'm so happy you're here, but I want to give people, you know, I don't even know if I've mentioned this. You are obviously my sister. Yeah. My middle sister. Um, I'm your big sister. My big sister. Ten years older. Yes. Um, and it's been a long time since, I've thought about having you on the show before and we never did it last time you were here. I think we talked about it briefly last time you were here. I'm not that interesting. So you, you kind of have to go through the interesting have, people first and then scroll no, you down. You have lots of interesting Pretty soon you're going to interview the cat. Listen, I have Charlie the cat. <laughs> Charlie, the studio Charlie, cat. Charlie, put this hat on. I'm going to interview you. <laughs> all right, so let's get to the interview proper. This is how okay. we normally do our interviews. Right. <laughs> uh, and although I know some of these answers already, I'm just going to pretend okay. that I don't. I'll put my professional voice on. So, uh, okay. Kelly, where were you born? I was born in Utica, New York. Okay, now, growing up together, I remember our time on Ballantyne Bray when we lived in South Utica. But you did not grow up in Ballantyne. You grew up on Mason Street with them? Or you was... know what? If I did, I don't remember. You don't remember any I, of... If we moved, I was like one or two. I don't know. Do you remember any of, like, the pre-me lifestyle before I was around? Like, when you guys were kids? Oh, hell yeah. So what was... Because I I asked this question. I don't really remember Utica before, like, a certain age. But you probably have a different idea growing up in Utica and what it was like when you were younger. Um, I feel like when you grew up in Utica, there was, like, this sort of fierce pride. But also, like, a little shame. Because you... There was... Utica's always kind of had a... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the kids from New Hartford had money and mm. Sequoia and like, you know, so you, all, I think there was like a defensiveness, but also like a little bit like you were sheepish. I mean, I'm from Utica. Like, you know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and of course you have one very handsome and talented younger brother. Hell yeah. Uh, and you have one older sister, our sister Karen. Yep. Uh, 
but you guys were very close in age. You're less than we were tight. We're eighteen months. So. So what was that like for you growing up with someone that close? Because I never had a. You guys were so much yeah, older than no, me. No, you did it. We were like we were raised like twins. Right. Like yeah, mom yeah. would put us in the same outfit, but in different colors. I like one that. of my favorites that we had was uh, I had a pair of green corduroy French fry embroidered pants. Yes. With a green tight turtleneck <laughs> that went with it, and then Karen had the red version of that same thing. So you and Her- you and Karen were going to Proctor and all the high school at the same time then. Yes. Was that tough? Yeah. You and Karen, as we're much very as... very different. Well, as much as... That's the thing that's interesting. You guys are very close, especially growing up. You were very, very close. Now you don't live as close to each other. But yeah. You were very different growing up. So I'm sure that there was some contention growing up in terms of, like, how she... What she was into and what you were into. She was into, like, Skid Row. You were into musicals. <laughs> <It's> like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it was... We were... You know, when you share a, a past with somebody that closely, you're right. kind of almost different halves of the same person. Like, when any given situation, I would take it in another direction, but we still have the same exact memories, mm. almost exactly, which that's is fair. very strange. Well, and that's something, and, you know, I've talked about being a child of divorce before in the past, mm. so I won't get into the whole nitty-gritty of that again, but I always think about this with you and Karen in particular, because uh, even at the end of the day, it's there's very few people. Mom's trying to pretend that she's not in the studio opening the door, but you can, Ma, you can walk through the studio. It's okay. It's fine. Hey, hi. 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 <laughs> um, hey, sorry, guys. No, I think when you... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, when you, <laughs> thanks, Mom. That's uh, our mom. She's so cute. Uh, when, uh, when you uh, grow up in those sort of situations with divorced parents, you sort of look to your brothers, at least I did, I look to you guys as really the only other two people who sort of had that same story yes. and it makes it and it makes a difference like when you get have somebody you can have that sounding board back and forth with at least it did for me growing yeah up. it was i'm sure it was very hard for you i mean i was you were seven when i left for college and yeah. that was kind of like the meat of the divorce really so i don't know that you had a lot of support i mean you were kind of like an only child in a lot of ways um well, I think it was good for my relationship with you and Karen, though. Like, I didn't have that sort of... You know how there's, like, that brother... So you have two children and who are close in age and opposite, like, gender. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, there's contention there. It just happens when you're that close in age. Yeah. I don't think we were ever close enough where I ever get in a fight with you or Karen when I was a kid. Like, no. you know what I mean? Like, it never happened. But you're also really tremendously easygoing. It's true. I was right. I was caught up in my own imaginary head and just playing Power Rangers in my yeah. in my toy store room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Su- we were super. Well, they, you know, if you look at any books about like children are divorced, they always kind of fall into three categories. And yeah. you and Karen and I each picked a category yes, and we ran did. with it. We're like, nope, <laughs> this is me now. This is me. This is me. Um, and you're you're the peacemaker. You always have been. You're like, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm juggling. Don't look over there. We're yeah. just fighting. That's Nobody's not- fighting. Everything's fine. <laughs> you know what though? I have a problem with that as I get older though, because I still feel like I can solve everyone's problems. Yes, I know. And I've just, and you know what's funny too? You say that because when I'm in like a group of my friends or I'm a lot of people, I'm the one who talks a lot. I'm the talkative guy. Really? Only, I hadn't noticed. Well, it's funny though. <laughs> Thanks, Marnie. Uh, but when we get like here for Christmas stuff, yeah. people will be like, why aren't you talking? I'm like, because this whole family talks. I don't know. I, I'll sit oh, back yeah. sometimes and just let you guys go because yeah. I'm like, I can't overpower everybody anymore. It, it, it's hard. There's a lot of, our, our family, one of the wonderful things about them is that they are so vocal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my in-laws are very quiet. Yes, so I bet your in-laws are when you, people. you know, it's a difference between, I mean, they're lovely mm-hmm. people, but it's the difference between walking into a room with a bunch of adults and shaking their hands and going, oh, Merry Christmas. Oh, uh, yeah. Merry, how are you? And then our family's like, what's up, you know, and there's everyone's. There's usually some fights, but then it works out, and the, you know it's a party. When I came to visit you in Chicago with Dad for Easter one year, your in-laws gave me the most impressive Easter basket I'd ever seen. Oh. It had like a DVD in it. Yes, they're very I generous. Like, I was like, "Hey, remember the Titans? I love that movie." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you? 
I do actually like that movie. It's not a great movie. I just like it. I think it's all right. It's good Denzel. Denzel's good in that movie. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about Proctor High School with you. Okay. Um, because we have a lot of folks who come on the show, and I'm not going to ask you to age yourself, certainly, and talk about when you were at Proctor. Yeah, no. Um, but I always ask people, particularly my, my range people, we had that Proctor stigma. When I was at Proctor growing up, it was like, oh, you're probably like going to rob me, or like you're going to you're gonna steal something from my house. You're probably listen to rap music. You're probably a troublemaker. Was there, like, a Proctor, like, stereotype or bias back then that you felt like people, like, cast on you? No. You know what What I really loved about high school? It's the same sort of principle of when I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. In such a large school, yes. there's this wonderful sense of, like, anonymity. Yes. You can yes. be whatever you want to be. Mm-hmm. You can be a theater nerd, which is what I was. You can be a jock. You could be a cheerleader. There's... Whatever you are, your group is there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I, well, I tell my kids you don't have to make a choice. It's not like you see high schools on television or in like a TV movie or like a teen movie, and it says like, ah, there's the cool kids, and then like the nerds and the yeah. jocks. And I was like, there were no cool kids at Proctor because there are like 600 kids in a class. No, because everybody in the drama club thought they were cool. Right, exactly. And 100% of us were not cool, <laughs> but there's strength in numbers. You could be the coolest nerd in the group. It is fantastic. Well, I followed your path into the drama club yeah. as I got older. But you have always sort of been, at least growing up for me, I always remember you. I always think about Into the Woods. I actually have it written down here because it was the first oh, moment. I love that one. You yeah. were doing that for Utica College, I think, at the time? Yeah, I yeah. did Utica College. It was the first play I ever saw you in and you played Little Red Riding Hood and that was a big one for me like as a kid it was the first one that I was old enough to be like oh what's all this with all these fairy tale <laughs> characters and songs I like um but you were doing when did you initially get into like musicals and drama stuff I always you, even when I was a kid, a kid yeah um mom used to put us the Jewish Community Center had a theater group and I was I think it was Missy Annis that taught it maybe I can't mm. remember she might have been later on um but, you know, you just go, you know, sit on the floor and pretend to be bacon frying and, you know, and I was like, this is great, you know, because I mean, not to be stereotypical of a middle child, but you don't get a lot of attention. That's and true. Karen was sick. Yeah. So Karen was in and out of surgeries a lot when she was a kid. She got a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. So I was always kind of looking for my moment be like, hey, I'm over here, you know. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I thought with theater, like, this is finally my huh. moment to like actually, you know, have my own kind of persona. So. Oh yeah, and well, it's it was great. You were always super. T- you have an amazing voice. Which... Oh, do you? I, I... Ba, 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 boo, boo. <laughs> you want a Christmas? I always think like Robert Goulet when, I, when I'm ba, singing. Ba, dee, yeah. <laughs> yeah. About Will Ferrell's Robert Goulet and not the yes. actual Robert Goulet. Yes. I don't actually know what Robert Goulet sounds like. I only know him from that one episode of The Simpsons where he sings Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. Did you ever see that one? No. When Bart starts a casino in his. Treehouse? No, but and I'm going to watch it right after. That's a good, I'll show it to you later. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> Red ships of Spain. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have to ask, though, like, did you, and I always ask, I have a lot of kids that I, I've dealt with when I was at Proctor and even in my time there, and when you get into that, like, sort of drama club lifestyle and you want to do musicals, you want to do plays, part of you always has to believe that this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. But oh, yeah, I full on I mean, I, I gave it a shot. Because yeah. well, you went to Syracuse for musical theater, I correct? I did, yep. Um, did you, was there a particular moment where you were like, I know that this is what I want to do with my life? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I always did. Always. Just, yeah, always I, did. I think the music spoke to me more than the theater even growing up. Like, sure. I, I want to say my first, like, obsession was Miss Saigon. Miss Saigon. So I did probably age myself just there. I'm 42. Right. I'm okay with it. You know what? <laughs> it's okay. It's I'm fine. owning 42. I'm owning it. Um, Miss Saigon was the one where I was like, this is it. I'm going to do this. I mean, granted, I'll never play Miss Saigon because I'm not Asian. And you're, but I was yeah. fully invested that it would happen for me someday. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, I really, there's just, uh, 
I think, you know what? There's a moment in every musical, and if you're not into musicals, this won't make any sense, but there's always that one money note and that one 11 o'clock number. Yes. Where a woman or a man belts out a note and you just resonates in your mm. chest and mm -hmm. you feel like your heart's going to explode. Oh, yeah. And I remember seeing Cats, which is hands down the worst musical it's of all terrible. time. It's terrible, yeah, yeah. But when she hit that note in memory, memory. I was like, mm -hmm. boom, my heart exploded and the for sun me, came down and the angel. Ah, for me, oh, someone moment. is knocking at the studio door. Oh, who Bear is me it? one second. Uh, no, 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 I'll let him in. That's oh, okay. okay. See, this is the magic of editing is that I can always <laughs> just go back and fix this afterwards. Uh, again, this is, the, not. this is the Christmas show. I don't, I'm less as concerned about... This is what Christmas is. People coming in and out, <laughs> boots, You want coats. me to sing a song? I can carol. If, you if, can, <laughs> if the microphone is picking up, you, my stepfather, Michael, in the background wanting to carol, you're more than welcome to say so. But, but it can only be a Robert Goulet song. Yeah, it's got to be a Robert Goulet song. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, that's good. All right. <laughs> Lots of interlopers. Um, so. I snorted. That's okay. So when you were in Syracuse, you doing musical theater there. Yeah. Um, that probably was a great moment. I, I, people love Syracuse. Oh my gosh, it kids. was the best. College yeah. was the best. I remember, <laughs> I just remember going and like seeing, eating lunch at the Dome, like on the football thing when you were there, because it was like, we were so exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say though, the Syracuse University, beyond the drama department, I don't know that I was a big participator. The Greek system is really big up there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You right. know, and that's not my jam. Um, yeah, no I can't offense imagine to anyone you. that's into that. Um, but we spent a lot of time just the drama campus is like way down, mm -hmm. like almost you know to the to the stage. So you had your own thing going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, drama school is the best time of your life. Oh yeah, like I'm still paying for it. But um, I mean, I think my first semester we took a class called like animal work, where I literally on the ground pretended to be a porcupine for like four solid weeks. Right. Right. <laughs> So here's like the first day you're just getting the movement. How does a porcupine smell? What does he, what do things look like? Did you, did, did, you the, did you ever do the birth cycle one where you start as a baby? Uh, I'm sh yes. I've, <laughs> I've done it all. I've done it all. There's one for an hour. My class got to watch me sit in a room and not speak. And I just had to be in the room hmm. for a full hour. <laughs> now, I got I to gotta ask you a question. Yeah. Particularly about Syracuse because there was one particular show at Syracuse that I feel like was sort of important for you. And that was that Wind in the Willow show, right? That you guys did Oh, there. that was a good one. Yeah. Now that show, I remember going to see that. It was a great show. That was a Syracuse. You guys produced that at Syracuse, or were you doing? It was written um, by this wonderful couple, um, the Adams McDowell couple. They're just some of the nicest mm -hmm. people ever, and they wrote this original musical and they presented it at Syracuse stage. Right. But then it got picked up at the New Victory Theater in New York City. Yes, and that was like off Broadway. That it off, was. Off Broadway? Yeah, it's off Broadway. I think it's like right where the Disney shows are now, like where they always do the Tarzans and whatnot. And we don't have to get into the whole details, but if mm -hmm. I remember correctly, you were one of the few people who did get recast when no. that no. I, oh yes I did get recast yeah. yeah I think what I learned from that show was the real true heartbreak of what the business of theater was right because um, they recast uh, wanted to put more minority casting in mm -hmm. and recast me when it went in and I, there were two of us that were leads that got yeah. recast and that was that was a good lesson it's tough probably for what this business really yeah. is <laughs> Cause you know, yeah, I never was, I never got that close to Broadway again. It was the, I could, yeah. I could smell it. That's tough. I one. could taste it. I had it so close. Uh, we laugh about that all the time. Like when we were doing the band thing, when I was in my early twenties, we had a couple moments where we had like made headway with just people in the industry, right? Like, like I remember the one joke was that our drummer Jay had met the keyboardist for Kid Rock. And like uh, given, oh. yeah, you know what I mean? Like just weird well. stuff. I mean, like weird moments where we're like, oh, this is close. Like somebody likes our music. <laughs> and then it's like, ah, and then and Jay got sick. But 
I got. Now I want to get the this timeline correct. So yeah. the Wind in the Willows thing, the recast happens. You're still at Syracuse at this time. No, you'd I'd already, already moved been to New, New York. York. Okay, yeah, I'd already moved there. When did you? Because you and Karen had moved to New York together. No, I moved there way before Karen. And then you, you did live together briefly, did she you not? Lived. She moved in with me briefly when I was living okay. in New York. But she didn't live with me for, for a super long time. Where in you? I remember your. I remember a couple different apartments you had in your. I you lived were, everywhere. Were you Upper East Side for a while, or like mid? In like we 50s? ended up on the on the Upper East Side um, before that was our last apartment. But I moved into the village first. Yeah. I slept in a loft with my friend. We were on. <laughs> we were in a bed above a bed. We were so close to the ceiling that I could like hit them with my nose if I like yeah. turned around too fast. It was terrifying, and I thought it was the best. I'm like, this is living, my friend. Well, I blame you and Karen for for me and my New York City experience because I I loved coming to New York to visit you guys. It was so exciting. Yeah, I think I was 13 or something the first time. And uh, we're gonna tie this into culinary stuff later. But matter of fact, I always think about I came to visit you in New York. And you made me dinner one night. You made me, and, it, and in hindsight, it's like nothing. You made me like salmon with dill wrapped in puff pastry and oh. like pumpkin and like pumpkin raviolis. And I was like, oh my god! As a kid, it was like blew my mind. I've never seen anything like it. But I, I fell in love with New York City, like coming to visit you guys down there. So that was a big one for me. And I, and I have to ask you, you're in Chicago now. We're gonna get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But yeah. do you ever still have moments where you like sort of miss New York City? Oh, or I love you, New York City. Do you think you could still live there? Now? No, I don't think so. No, I'm, okay. I think New York City is a young man's game. It is. And it's an expensive yeah, game now. Yeah, it is. And I, I, you know, we took the kids there for the first time this year, and I was exhausted by the time we left. Yes. I mean, I forgot how much you walk. You walk all the time. I Last time I was there, I was there for four days. And by the end of day three, I was like, okay. I'm, I'm, right? I'm about ready to go back to where all my, <laughs> that place where my TV and couches. <laughs> where my uh, bed and TV yeah. are. So you're doing the thing in New York City. You're living down there. One of the things, this is sort of a funny thing that you and I have shared. We both worked for many years at Carmine's, Carmine's. in Times Square, yes. which is where you met your wonderful husband, Randall. Aww. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, the Carmine's thing was very funny because I can imagine what your life must have been like. You're doing the Carmine's thing and you were writing the cabaret stuff at the time with Lee, maybe? You were doing the Hot Beans yeah, thing? Yeah, I did everything I did. Mm. I did voiceovers. I did stand-up. I did anything mm. I could to get an agent. I was surprised that you didn't end up doing more voice work because you do have an excellent I did. Voice. I mean, I, that was one of the things I brought with me to Chicago mm. and something I could still do when I was pregnant because you can show up in sweatpants and record and things like that. I might be making this up. Did you do a Velma spot? I did. A long time yeah, ago. Yeah, but I shouldn't talk about it because I was scabbing. Were you? Because oh. who does Velma normally for the commercials is the one that was on Facts of Life. Right, right, right. So uh, they were having a strike and she refused to do it. And mm. I was like, oh, I'm broke. Yeah, it, wasn't I hear a, it wasn't a proud moment, <laughs> but it was the easiest $8,000 I ever made in my life. That's, you made $8,000 for that? Yeah. Okay, so that's something I guess I never understood about, like, the acting, musician, creative-type lifestyle. Like, for us with music, it was always like, we need to book enough shows to get enough revenue coming in. I need, like, two shows a week. But for acting, it all seems like you'd never know where it's coming in. You don't. You, you never have any idea. Just, right. It comes in in big chunks and at weird it times. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, there's no, there's no stability to that lifestyle mm. at all. No. I think they say on average that, like, you know, as an actor, every 25 auditions you get, you might get one call back, mm. and every 50 you might get the job. And it's true, but you mm. just don't know where it's coming. And with voiceover work, you might book one, and it's a great gig, and, you know, maybe you get residuals, and then one, it's just, like, $500, mm. and goodbye, you write it off, and you just don't know where your money's coming right. from. Uh, my, my good friend, Adam Goldstein, who lived in New York for with me for a long time, he was a freelance video editor, and it was the same kind of thing. Like, you'd get two months worth of video work for like Bravo or VH1 and then maybe they'd like it and pass you off to somebody else but maybe you just don't find anything for six months and it's tough you know you go back and forth between these two things yeah. so uh, 
so when did you, I don't remember what year it was, but when did you, when did you know it was time to leave New York? Oh, I left New York because I got married. And well, you and Randall, yeah. yeah, my husband uh, lived outside. He was born in Chicago and raised in Chicago, and he had an opportunity to work here, so mm. we came with him. What year was that when you guys left out there? Oh, my God. Well, you've been out there. 2002. 2002 we've oh, been. so you've been out there. Have you been in Chicago for 15 years? Yeah. God, I'm getting old. Yeah. I really feel old now you think of that. <laughs> you feel old? Because I'm trying to think. I felt like you were in York when I was 17. I'm like, it doesn't feel right. Like, uh, like I'm thinking of the timelines. I've uh, lived a lot of life. <laughs> um, and did you try and continue doing the music thing in Chicago or did you? I did. I auditioned. Um, you know, I, by the time I got to Chicago, I had my equity card, which if you're not in yeah. the theater world, that's like your union. Your, it's like your SAG card. It's your of. union card, yeah. which is. In New York, it's something that you try so hard to get, and you, you know, when you get it, you feel like, ah, oh, I'm on track now. And then Chicago, there were, at least when I moved, like, less uh, union theaters, and you're only allowed to work in a union theater right. with a union card. Um, and it was a little bit limiting for me, and I feel like a lot of the actors that worked at, like, Steppenwolf and The Goodman, yeah. they're kind of their own company. So coming at it as old as I was, I felt like it was so hard, like, to break into those things, so. How much, on a scale of 1 to 10, did you love when anyone in our family would ask you when your big break was going to happen? Didn't you like that? Oh, when I think grandma... my favorite, oh my god, I love my grandmother so much. <laughs> but grandma would ask me every time I came home, like, when am I going to see you on American Idol? I'm like, never. <laughs> and then, of course, I got to the point where I'm like, I'm literally too old now, you yeah, know 28 that, right? Is the and, cutoff and, line, and, and I would never do it, but yeah, I mean, I, I love how my supportive family is still hanging in there for me i mean that's not going to happen anymore i love theater and theater will always be a part of my life mm. but now it'll be more of us you know like helping you know, our kids and directing them see for like you that. in a weird way i think that there probably there could probably be another chapter you would just have to sort of go digital like you and your daughter would have to almost be like on a youtube channel that, I you, never, know I mean? you know i never rule anything out in my life i find that every 10 years i just completely pick up and change my career yeah, yeah, yeah. so maybe the next <laughs> wave you have i have no idea i don't rule anything out well, let's talk about your current career Yes. Uh, you are currently, what's your job title over at? I am part owner of Happy Belly Chefs, mm-hmm. um, and I have a wonderful partner named Kathy Lazuka, mm. and we do private chefing and catering and uh, classes and parties and drop-off mm. and you name it. So. And you guys are primarily local. You're not doing anything like online at the moment, right? No, no, not okay. yet. So none of you Utica folks can actually order this. This is just a fun interview for you. Sorry. You can go to the website, though, and check it out. <laughs> Send her some traffic because you did an excellent job at the website. Thank Whoever you did very it for much. You. Thank you very much. Um, I want to talk about culinary school mm. because you did go to culinary. I don't know what year you graduated or went to culinary school. But... I went to Kendall. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, if I had to think of a number, I would be hard. But, I mean, it was what? Uh, I don't know. I've been cooking for a long time, but well, I went to culinary yeah. school about six or seven years ago. Well, I guess that was the thing, because even, and I'll say, when I used to visit you in New York, you were always a good chef. Even when we were younger, you liked to cook. So yeah. was that something that, in the back of your mind, you would always kind of, like, float yes. around? Or, yeah, I yeah. think it's the creativity. I mean, I've always been attracted to things yeah. that are creative, so whether mm. it's music or theater or food, I think there's a, mm. an artistic side to all that. Were so. you prepared for the the business aspect of this when you no. started? No, yeah. it's the worst part, hands yeah. down. I love to cook, and thankfully, my partner is a genius, and yeah. she handles all of the scary lawyery accounting <laughs> oh, stuff. She explains everything right. to me 19 times, and then I think probably just goes, you know what, I'm going to do it. Um, but that part of it, I mean, the business part of anything is horrible. It was the worst part of acting. It's one of the reasons I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Well, you, I'm not a good butt kisser. I, I feel like when I try to be schmoozy, you can see it on my face that I look like I want to throw up. And oh, people have always been able to read that for me, oh, and yeah. I think it's one of the things that would that, never like help me succeed. That comes from a little bit of 
our family, I think, as well, because you were always very talented, but I don't know if you always feel comfortable talking about how talented you are. I, I don't. I'm not show-offy about it. Right. I, 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 I'm comfortable on stage, but off stage, I'm like, nah, yeah. please don't talk. Well, because when you're on stage, you can you just sort of you're there in the moment like it's fine you can it's sort of it's not you yeah it's not you you're I was detached explaining from that it, to right? my daughter I'm like there's such freedom in being mm. up there because everything that you wish you were mm. all that confidence that you wish you mm. were born with you can have it on stage because it's not you mm. there's that that persona or that mask of whoever you're playing that makes it so much easier are you still doing classes with the happy belly stuff or was that you're not yeah doing yeah yeah we've been doing a lot of classes for um we've had a lot of teenagers teenage boys particularly which i think is just the best because i'm like these are the days well because i can imagine that your like acting background and that helps when you're even doing just classes yes. and stuff oh yeah mm-hmm. i mean i think that's i taught for eight years at sur la table mm. can i say that is that like a i mean that's not right? stop me um and i think that the teaching was so much easier yeah. for me because the way they present classes at places is you know, a lot of times it's recreational it's for adults like do they want to be yelled at to go clean things up no they want to be entertained it's two right. hours teach them a couple tips and tricks and then just kind of be able to keep moving and when things go wrong kind of just to keep you know it's a lot of improv in teaching i think you uh, you're always on top with some crazy uh, sort of flavor combinations. Even today, whatever that salmon. What would you call that thing you made today for breakfast? Oh, oh god! What were we trying? We we made that strata out of food and wine. Strata. You yeah, call it a salmon strata? Yeah, it was rye bread and creme fraiche, and then we put smoked salmon on top. It was delicious. Yeah. It, it was like always it. amazing. I'm but gonna keep it. It was amazing, but that's the thing. I I'm always fascinated by like what's like you get in like moments where you're like this is the new flavor that I'm feeling. Like I'm feeling a flavor. I, this I week. like I'm, really get into like it. Vietnamese food is one of my favorites, Ooh, and I feel like yeah. once I get into that, that's all mm. I want to cook. So whenever whenever anybody asks me anything, I'm like, no, we're just going to put fish sauce in it and brown sugar. Mm. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we're doing that for six weeks. You, it's you, all fish sauce and brown sugar. You do Indian food at all? Indian food is the one cuisine that I just can't get into, it's and I feel that, bad. It's whatever that seed pod that they use is. That Cardamom? Sort of, yeah, whatever that big yeah. thing is. It's in the tiki yeah. masala. It drives me and nuts. The, I know, and I love... Thai curry, yeah, because the coconut kind of mm. mellows it out. But Indian curry is got—it's just a stink, and I can't handle <laughs> it. And I want to like it, I want to appreciate mm. it. I feel bad as a yeah. chef that I can't get into it, but I just don't love it. Let's uh, before we move away from this, I just want to. What's the website here? People want to go check out what you're up to. www.happybellychefs with an S dot com, mm. and on Facebook we are Happy Belly Chefs with an S again. And you're on Instagram as well. I want to say we are on Instagram, but I don't hit it as much because I'm old. Can I tell you the truth? <laughs> I, I we have a Uducast Instagram as well, and it is the one social media platform that I don't keep up with as much as I should, and we definitely take a hit for it. Like Instagram is a pretty viable social media method, and yeah. I'm just especially for something that you do because you are a food-based I program, know, but right? I, you know, and I do put a lot of food pictures on Facebook because I'm in my 40s. Yeah, but... I can't... The social you, media part of owning a business, too, is something that I struggle with because it takes me way too long. Don't you like when you put food up on Facebook and I just hit you with, like, fake news? <laughs> just like, this is fake news. I'm sorry, I can't... Well, that's, actually... That's my favorite phrase. <laughs> uh, you, I actually read somewhere that that was... It, I was doing, like, some end-of-the-year thing, and they're saying that that is the number two least popular phrase of 2017. I forget what number one was, but... Yeah, but, I mean, didn't... Is that not officially part of the vernacular now? Uh, it I, is, sadly. Yeah. Um, and I, it breaks my heart. And you know what's sad about it is when it first came out as a thing, I thought it was hilarious. I was using it all the time when it was first, when it mm, first came out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And now, oh my God, oh, yeah. now I feel bad my about it. My kids use it, and it, it's just painful to hear those words come out of their mouth. Now, that is a great segue, because I was just going to say, uh, oh. we, have a, we have a lot of listeners on this show who, have, uh, who are young parents, who are parents-to-be, who have children already. Um, you have two wonderful children, that I'm going to say that, and then you can smile you, and nod yeah, silently. Uh, yeah, <laughs> tremendous. Uh, 
Uh, you're, I'm not going to give their names, I suppose, but um, your daughter is thir- almost 13? She's 12. She's 12. Yes. Yeah. How are you dealing with the teenage lifestyle? It's, it's I, there's not a lot of words to describe the teen, like being a parent of a teenage girl. It's really unbelievably yeah. hard. I'll have to add another edit in there because mom came in to get the roast. Uh, it was a beautiful roast. It was a great looking roast. I think um, we have to just take a moment and really appreciate the size of that roast. <laughs> she really treats us pretty good with these holidays. Are you kidding she's, me? She's the bomb. She's the best chef of almost anyone I know. In term, and it's funny because even our father, who's Italian, doesn't make sauce the way she does. She's not Italian. Did you find it weird? I just love that she's, you know, I feel like sometimes with older people, oh, she's going to hate this so much when she listens to it, but they get so stuck in, like, what they were raised on, and those are the flavors that they like, but I love that mom still loves to experiment with things, and when she comes to visit me and cooks with me and wants to learn about new ingredients and stuff, that makes me so happy. You have a big impact on that, though. I don't know. I think we just all really love food. (laughs) I mean, I think, I mean, you probably talk about this all the time, but I think, I think our taste buds are, like... Just supercharged. We um, love to eat food. I sort of fall in a weird space, right? Because I hang out enough with you and, and mom and doing all that kind of thing where I like that. But I also like like trash food. Like I would also eat like a big trough full of Taco Bell if you put it in front of me. Are, like, you, I'm not, are you implying eh. that I wouldn't eat a bag of <laughs> well, salt and vinegar chips until they were gone? Oh, oh God. I love trashy mm-hmm. food. Do you see how we talked about food and it totally took us away from your children? That's the that's the good... Well, we're talking mm. about the important thing. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and my kids, yeah, they're good, too. Uh, well, I got to tell you that your son, um, for many years, since you had, since you and Karen had kids, I've been sort of waiting for one of the kids to start getting into things that I have any knowledge in. And it, mm-hmm. and it seemed like for a while it was not going to happen. Like, no one was into <laughs> dinosaurs or pro wrestling or superheroes or whatever. And suddenly, this year, it seems like your son is into Pink Floyd and The Simpsons, and yep. I couldn't be happier. Yep. Vinyl. He, he's he's kind of awesome. He's pretty awesome. You know? I don't think he, he's very cool and he will get cooler as he gets older. He's like, yes. he might, people might not realize that he's cool. Initially. Or he'll be king of the dorks, but either way, I'm so fine with it. King of the dorks is all right now. You can be king. King of the dorks is a fine position to have these days. You know what I love <laughs> about my son, honestly? He, he does his own thing and he has this inner kindness that is just something yeah. you can't teach. Yeah. You know what I mean? You try your best to teach your kids right and wrong and morality, and but like mm. I think some kids just on the inside just a little bit nicer. Well, what's funny though is he is super sweet and polite, except mm-hmm. when it's just the two of them. But they're they're kind of mean. They're brother and sister. I don't think there's any <laughs> brother and sister that that don't kind of find each other's weak points and just stick their finger in it until the other one believes. That's never happened with me and you or me and Karen. No, of, never once. No, uh, never. <laughs> all right. Uh, so one more time, Happy Belly Chefs. Uh, dot com is the website. Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook. Um, I I think that's all I hit. Right? You're on Twitter too. What's a you Twitter? On, you don't have Twitter. The tweeter? Maybe I'll just start running your Twitter. I'm not you. going at anything that Donald Trump is on. <sighs> yeah, I said it. Boom. You ever? Can I tell you? Uh, <laughs> our our stepfather Miguel. <laughs> um, Miguel. Miguel. Uh, he is probably the most like vitreous anti-Trump person I know. Like he, mm. I'll, I'll come in here and he's watching you. You haven't met my husband. Well, me and your husband have many conversations. <laughs> but like, uh, he wakes funny. me up in the morning like, with a list of all the horrific things mm. that he read already before like, I got up. And I'll go on the like the the Fox News like the oh, Donald yeah. subreddit to sort mm. of like see what they're talking That's about. What he like does it's too. Important. And I'm like, why? And it really does get me pretty gassed up, I and mean, I can't help. it. I know, but like, why? I can't do it anymore. I've got to the point where I'm just like, I can't look at it, and I can't. I just can't get through my day. I can't be that angry all the time. If there is one positive that I think we can take out of our current political landscape Hmm. is that since uh, Trump came into office, there is this hyper-awareness about politics 
from almost every person I know. Whereas in the Obama years, I had friends who did not read the news, did not talk about anything. It made people somewhat aware of what's going on in a way that didn't before. People were mobilized behind. It's, but it's there's it's there's no equivalency to these past. I, mean, no. I know politics was always something you're growing up. Oh, you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. But it was it was benign, and it was a little bit more like you know you'd hear your old grandpas and uncles talking about it. It's like oh that guy's a punk. Blah blah blah. This is different. Yeah, because politics has infused almost every aspect of life. Like if I talk about entertainment or SNL from this weekend, there's probably going to be some political aspect to it. If I talk about music, music has this political aspect. All these things have. It seems like whatever you do now, you have to pick a side, right? I'm doing it on one side or the other. And I don't love that, but that seems to be the way things are going right now. Because yeah. there's this hyper-partisanship and this hyper, uh, just this want to be involved and on the ground floor one way or the other. And there's this horrible aspect of motivated reasoning that exists where it's like, I believe something and I would rather sit in the echo chamber than have to think about something I already believe. Like, I believe the sky is green, so I'm only going to read news about how the sky is green, and no matter what you tell me, I'm going to say that's wrong. Oh, yeah. Right? That yeah. motivated reasoning is more common than it was yes. 10 years ago. You will, you will find your group. You will find a way to justify it. I just think with Trump, and I do have friends that are Trump supporters, oh, yeah. and some of them are really wonderful people, but it says so much about you as a person if you support someone that is that hateful... Yeah. That it's hard for me to say if you like him, like I, I can't separate that from what you think. Like it's I, true. Who you are, like it's it's your very being. I had a I had this guy at work. I was in. College I just lost with. a ton of your listeners. So. No, no, no. <laughs> my listeners, no. This is not uncommon. I, uh, it's hard. I had a guy in one of my college classes this year, and I met him in the first class, and he had a Italian soccer jersey on. So as I'm walking, I was like, "You Napoli fan? Like that was a team?" And he's like, "Yeah." yeah and we we're talking. He's like a tattooed guy, sort of a gruff dude, but he was nice enough. And I was like, oh, what a nice guy. Next time I go to class, he's got his laptop out. He opens up his laptop, and on the top of the laptop is a gigantic Alex Jones InfoWars no. sticker. And I was like, no! Oh, <laughs> Damn God. it! I thought I made a friend. Damn! Oh my God, I've had so many of those moments lately. <sighs> I was in Trader Joe's, which is like the, the hub of kindness oh, and yeah. granola and love, right? <laughs> and there's this older woman that's waiting on me, and she's got her Hawaiian shirt on, mm. and we're jamming, and she's like, I'm getting off in a little bit. I'm going grocery shopping, or I gotta go over to the mall. I was like, oh, I just came from there. I know it's crazy, you know? And then she's like, yeah, and you know, because those people are over at the mall. Mm. And I was like, what? And all of a sudden, the warning bells yeah. go off, and I'm like, no, don't say it. Don't be <laughs> that people. lady. And mean? then she went on, you know, God, I'm afraid even I feel like they're watching me and they're going to pick my pockets. And then, you know, she dropped in some some colorful words. Oh. And I was like, son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> why? Why? Hey, <laughs> I, we, we had that family member with the Trump sweater on for Christmas yesterday. It was there. I saw uh, it. All right. Uh, Kelly, let's move on to the lightning round. We've got, I've, right, I've kept you far longer than I told you I would. So we've already gone 36 right. minutes. I don't um, have to parent. So, That's yeah, point. I'm taking a nice break. Kelly, these are the same six questions that we ask everybody Ooh. who's been on the show over the last okay. five or six episodes. I will start with an easy one. Kelly Bailey, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Sweet. You never do black coffee? We get a lot of people no, with black coffee people. I want to like black coffee. It, was, yeah. it would sound so much cooler, but I like a little cream and sugar. I think that when people tell me they like black coffee, they're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's a lie. Like, I think they're just trying to like, oh, I love black coffee. Yeah. Black coffee's the only... Yeah, because it defines you as, as what? Yeah. Semi-elegant and just, well, you're, just badass. You're a man, right? I'm going to drink my... I don't drink, eat right. no sugar. Sugar's for wusses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just like, pour all the sugar and sweet cream. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, what was your first automobile... A uh, 
1979 Ford Escort wagon, Ooh. tan colored with red stripes on the side and three purple tinted windows and car. one clear window because Karen's boyfriend punched out the other window hey. and I couldn't afford to replace it with another purple one. Was that the car that was called the Jammy Jam or was that Karen's Pontiac Le Mans that also I think she existed? had the Jammy Jam. I don't know. Mine did have a name, but I can't remember what it was. I always had stupid names for my car. It's in a new name. Yeah. It was the Rockin' car. I remember that car. But you know what? I bought that shit with my own money. Oops, I said shit. Sorry. Uh, we swear all I bought that with my own money. Hey, and I was so proud of that thing. Didn't your you know daughter I mean? just buy that iPhone with her own money, though? Oh, yeah. She sure no, did. she didn't? Kids work real hard these days. <laughs> they sure appreciate everything we give them. Ugh, please. If I, if I was on YouTube and I told them that, they'd listen to me. Uh, all right. So you may or may not have taken your 1979 Ford Escort to see it. But what was oh. your first live music event? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to say this. But it was the Monkeys Here and Now Tour. Yes. Yes. And I remember stand- somebody had picked me up, and I can't remember who. And I remember, well, like holding peace signs up in the air and going, I love you, Davy Jones. And like, for real, meaning it. Oh, yeah. I love Davy Jones. And at the time, what do you think he was, like 50 or 60? But I only knew him from the old monkeys that were on Nickelodeon. I... And I was like, I thought he was still this like 21-year-old, adorable little British gent. I was lucky enough to see the Beach Boys in 2012. Uh, I saw them. Oh, in... but the Beach Boys are pretty good. Yeah, but let me tell you something about that Mike Love. When he's 70 and he's <laughs> winking at all the young ladies, it's real skeevy. Like, you're like, oh, yeah. what a skeeve ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, you can sit down to have dinner with mm-hmm. any person, living or dead, who is not your relative. Who would it be and why? John Stewart. You love John Stewart. Oh, my God. You? I love him. I, I just, all, I, every morning I get up and I think, could he just run... Run, run for president, and we could all be sane again. All the people I love who I would want to run for president would never want to do it because they wouldn't want to go through the hassle of politics, right? That's what I can imagine. Oh, it's like, bullshit. Yeah, like, I'm sure that's why he doesn't want to do I would it love either. Neil He's like, Degras- I don't have like, time for this crap. I would love Neil deGrasse Tyson oh, to be right? the president, but you don't want to do that. It's like, he's not trying to deal with that crap. Like, he's not, you know, I don't know. Wait, can Bill Murray join us? Oh, I would love Bill Murray. Right? President. Well, he was the... He was no, Mayor. I just want to hang out with Bill Oh, you just want to hang out with him. Okay, I just want to have a, have a, a whiskey with him. <laughs> a Centauri. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last but not least, Kelly, uh, besides uh, besides your uh, your current business, your Happy, mm-hmm. Bell, uh, Happy Belly Chef supplies, your love for food, your love for family, mm-hmm. uh, your history of acting, all these things that define you, give me one more thing that you, Kelly Bailey, are passionate about Kindness. That's beautiful. I like that. And I don't mean it to be beautiful, but it's true. I just want people to be nice to each other so badly. Yeah. I, you know what it is? I, I just, um, as I'm getting into my, my early, th- I'm turning 32 in a couple weeks. And, Aww. uh, no, it's funny. I, I do feel, <laughs> and I like it. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm leaning into being old. Like I always, you should. I've been joking around for years that I'm like 32 going on like 67. Right. I'm, I'm really you into are. like my old man. You are. Name. You always have been old. Um, so that's for sure. But I always, and I sometimes look back at like when I was a kid and I was like, I was probably a prick sometimes like you, kids are mean like as you're a little kid you just mean sometimes you yeah it's insecurity you, that's how that's how you, you deal can't with regulate your insecurity that, you just yeah. can't regulate that those emotions all that well and right. now as i get older i it does sort of make me upset when i'm like i don't know why people can't just like compromise sometimes like there's no middle ground anymore it seems like mm. not with just politics just everything sometimes yeah oh <sighs> see that wasn't so bad we went like 20 minutes longer than i thought that we was would fun go. That was fun right well it's just like hanging out and talking except now everybody has to listen to it no, it's fine. You're very popular. People will like you. Oh, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's at least such a load of horseshit. I'm sure that at least a decent portion of my listenership is aware of you because they probably went to high school with you. 
Oh, hey, everybody. How's it going? How come I never got invited to any of the uh, reunions? Were you going anyway? I would have gone. I didn't go to my 10-year. I don't even know if we actually had one. I don't know. Somebody would have had to organize it, and it sure wouldn't be me. I definitely had a 10-year anniversary, but I don't want to go back because I'm like, nah, give me another five. I'll come back. Give me five more to work on this, and I'll come back, and I'll be happier about it. High school's hard. Kelly, thank you for doing this. Thank will, you, brother. I will release you to hang out with your family and shower, uh, do whatever you oh, want to do before. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah. we gotta go. We gotta come back and eat dinner in like four hours, don't we? Yeah, I gotta go make right. a roast. I also gotta try and catch Kevin before he leaves to go do his his family stuff, or else there's no podcast. Oh, so, uh, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. again to my uh, wonderful sister Kelly. Karen, you're next. Get ready. A deep dive into my sister's lives coming up soon. <laughs> uh, it's funny. My 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 niece is about 13 now mm-hmm. and she got an iPhone SE for Christmas and it was it was the greatest moment of her life. That's awesome. That's so good. You know what's funny? My sister and brother-in-law are really good about the fact that she did not have a phone up until now. She would use their phone. She right. had, like, thing. But, like, her friends at school had phones. And we're like, it's got to be tough for... That's the thing that, like, makes it tough for parents, I think. Like, you yeah. can, Right. Well, because, I've, I mean, how many people have you talked to who are like, oh, you know, if I have kids, I'm not going to let them, like, get a phone. I'm not going to let them do this. I'm not this and that. Like, especially with screens and technology. But... It's got to get really hard when you get out there and, like, you're the only kid. And, like, kids are mean. You know, you don't have a phone. Kids are like, ah, you don't have a phone. You're, like, we're not going to hang out with you because you're not yeah. cool. Like, it's tough. Hey, speaking of iPhones, there's an Apple story this week you guys want to talk about for a second. Uh, Apple, earlier this week, confirmed uh, iPhone owner suspicions that Apple uh, pur- uh, purposely slowed down the operation of older models. Uh, Apple says it does this uh, because the... Slowing down the processors makes it easier for older batteries to perform when they've begun to lose capacity. Okay. Do you believe that is a uh, legitimate reason? I'm so thankful that they are looking out for me in that way. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just I have submitted completely to um, my Macintosh overlords, and they are here taking care of me, and I'm really glad. Thank goodness they're looking out for me. <laughs> uh, slowdown effects a range of Apple phones, including iPhone 7, iPhone 6S, models that came out in 2016 and 15, respectively. Uh, company says it plans to apply the same strategy to, quote, other products in the future. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Some customers say the company's strategy of dealing with the power demands pushes them to replace their older iPhones with newer models, uh, you think? I really I had that iPhone 6 for a long time and I tried to wait it out until that iPhone 8 and it just got so bad that I couldn't wait anymore yeah Yeah, it was pretty rough and I went and I've said all the time I was looking for any phone I could find that I thought I would like love better I just didn't really love anything out there agreed my dad's got a nice one do uh, whatever that Samsung joint is, Edge to Edge S8 right Uh is that the one yeah yeah Yeah. it's beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah uh, what else is big this week? Oh, this is a good one. Have you guys... 
What do you guys know about the uh, the aliens that are apparently Tons. exist? Oh my God. <laughs> Tons. I've been barking a cliff about it all week. He sent me an email the other day with an article in it, which I completely skipped over and deleted immediately. Kevin, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I only have a brief brother. Do you have like a take on this you want to jump in on? Or uh, no, do I mean do your thing. I'll I'll give you my thoughts. Former military intelligence uh, official who ran a Pentagon program uh, analyzed unidentified flying objects said Monday that there is compelling evidence that we may not be alone in the universe. Uh, I can't speak on behalf of the government. Obviously, I'm not in the U.S. government anymore. Luis uh, El- Elizondo said on Monday, my personal belief is that it's very compelling evidence that we may not be alone, whatever that means. And I've... What? I've said... <laughs> and then well, this guy... had me until the end. Uh, well, there's the video footage that's been coming out, too, yeah, from yeah. the uh, the F-A-18 Hornet right, right. Uh, with the weird tic-tac-looking shape that's doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I heard the most the most realistic thing I could think of that's not UFOs is it was some sort of drone, like some sort of Russian or Chinese drone, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I've also heard that they found some sort of alien alloy that they can't identify the material of. Yes. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yes. Uh, and apparently, I've also heard that the material leaves like physical like strain on the people who handle it. Or oh, it's not proven though. There's a documentation of it. Apparently. So we have kryptonite. So, so here's the thing: anything that sort of goes blasting through space and then all those terrible cosmic rays and crashes on Earth is probably not great to touch, regardless of whether point. it's alien yeah. or not, right? Yeah. Like I don't want that cosmic radiation burning through my skin. It wasn't the first thing I was gonna do. <laughs> if I just, you know, just probably back away slowly. We, I've talked about this on numerous times uh, in interviews with people, like my skepticism ranking, right? I feel like I don't believe in like the Loch Ness Monster, or, like Bigfoot, but I can buy into aliens. Aliens is sure. where I think I, I sort of draw the line. I, I can into believability. Do you think this is any more proof than we had on aliens, or is it just headlines? The thing, the thing that seems wild to me is that like you've got all these people in the government talking about it and saying stuff, and I think it speaks to the the absolute like overload of wild news fatigue that we live in that everybody reads it's like oh cool and it's like nobody's got the attention span to realize it it's like if, if they had come out if this same thing had happened in 1995 I, I mean people would be you know in the streets yeah. and it's just I, we'll see I guess I mean maybe Tom DeLong was right all along who knew <laughs> so the New York Times actually broke this story uh, not too long ago and the funny part about it is like you'd think like it's New York Times like, who wrote? The, it's the New York goddamn Times yeah, and the two people like, the two people who wrote it are like Pulitzer Prize winning journalists it's I not know. like uh, it's not like a, a BuzzFeed article about you know which alien are you filling these questions and we'll <laughs> let you know uh, that is out next week, by the way. Yeah. Guaranteed. There's Guaranteed. a popular conspiracy theory that says that, uh, quote unquote, the elites, you know, whoever you believe that to oh, be, the elites, the elites, the deep state, all them, all them boys, um, are gonna use. They're gonna basically false flag on alien reveal. Okay. So these people think that basically they're gonna use like holograms and all this different stuff to make it look like aliens have visited us, visited us, and they're here to get us all scared and on the same page to usher in a one world government. Ah, you know what? They're, they're it's also lucky. something I read that was not in the New York Times. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm already scared, so we're good. Um, <coughs> you're an office guy, right, Cliff? Do you watch The Office? I've seen The Office once or seven times. Okay, oh, you're good. All right, yeah. okay, okay. We, we've been sort of casually watching The Office again this week mm-hmm. in our downtime. Uh, there's been a story going around about NBC potentially reviving The Office uh, based solely off the fact that they revived Will and Grace, uh, right. and it's been a big success for them. Ratings are impressive. Um, and there's been a little bit of talk about them reviving the show, even if for just one season or something. Kev, you're a big fan of The Office. I know yeah. that for a fact. Would you be excited to see more Office? I mean, I would take a look. 
I don't know that it's going to be the same. Sure. You know what I mean? I don't, like, they're certainly not going to have Michael Scott come back. They probably won't have a lot of the same people. If it's the same people who put the show together, I think they do a good job of making a show. So I guess I'd watch it, but I'm not going to be like, oh my god, yes, thank god. Like, Yeah, I think they should go with an entirely different cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that yeah. story, yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. I, I like the premise. I think, you know, I'm open to the premise. Parks and Rec was excellent also, which mm-hmm. was, you know, essentially the same premise, just different cast. And I think they just start with something a, a slightly different. Maybe based in Utica. I think they should do the Utica branch. Utica, Utica was a potential, uh, one of the final cities when they were choosing branches for Dunder Mifflin. See? And also when they were choosing cities for, Pawn- or for like, uh, well, I guess not, because Pawnee's not real. Pawnee's a fake city. Right. That's right. Well, never mind. Uh, I'll move on to something else. Uh, oh, wait, before we do that, I just want to, we were saying we couldn't probably get Corell back. This is currently what a lot of the office people were doing, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Corell's not coming back. He's nope. a movie star, uh, unless he really likes money. Um, Krasinski is on Amazon right now doing a Jack Ryan show. So mm-hmm. Jim is now Jack Ryan. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Aaron the Secretary Ellie Camper's got Kimmy Schmidt Craig Robinson uh, he's doing Ghosted on Fox with Adam Scott Uh, Jenna Fisher probably has some comedy show somewhere I feel like she does stuff she does things I don't know Mindy Kaling's always doing stuff I feel like she's not doing anything right now I think her show just ended uh, and Rain Wilson probably just waiting at the phone call every second. Probably. Rain Wilson probably wants it more than anybody else. Like out of the big names on that <laughs> let's cast, give he's him probably the show. like, yeah, let's bring back Dwight. Yeah. yeah, he should be the head of the office. There we go. I'm in. Uh, I got, a, I got a couple quick history lessons. We won't dilly dally on too many of them. Um, hey, dilly and dally. <laughs> on this day, December 25th, 1914. It was uh, Christmas. It was Christmas, and just after midnight on Christmas morning, the majority of German troops engaged in World War I ceased fight, uh, firing their guns and artillery and commenced in singing Christmas carols. At certain points along the eastern and western fronts, the soldiers of Russia, France, and Britain even heard brass bands uh, joining the Germans in their joyous singing. Uh, this was the Christmas truce from World War I. It's a really interesting it's a really story. Nice story. Yeah, uh, many of the German soldiers emigrated, uh, emerged from their trenches and approached the Allied lines with uh, across no man's land, calling out Merry Christmas in their enemies' native tongues. Uh, first, the Allied soldiers feared it was a trick, but seeing the Germans unarmed, they climbed out of the trenches and shook hands with the enemy soldiers. Uh, men exchanged presents of cigarettes, plum pudding, sang carols. There's even a documented case of soldiers from opposite sides playing a good-natured game of football. Wow. Oh, there you, so, go. There you go. I feel like there's like a lesson in there mm. somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Move on. <laughs> Stop all the war. On <laughs> uh, this day in uh, December, on this day, December twenty seventh, nineteen thirty two, uh, Radio City Music Hall opened in New York City at the height of the Great Depression. Uh, have you ever been there, any of you guys? I'm not. No. No. I have been there. I went to the Christmas show a couple years ago with my mom. Uh, we did it when I was living in New York. Uh, it's really, it's wonderful. Like yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not. You know me, my thoughts about like all that kind of like you know, earnest Christmas joy and all that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm no, a cynic. Sadness is dope. Sadness is dope. Yeah. I'm a cynic. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a great show. It's a lot of fun. Those Rockettes are a lot more than just uh, kick dancing. I'll tell you really? what. They're very impressive. More than a set of legs, huh? They're very talented. Good. They're very, very Good. talented. Uh, and even just the building itself is beautiful. It's amazing. It's like really cool and art deco. It looks like Bioshock when you walk in there. Uh, and the stage, the great stage, measuring 60 feet wide and 100 feet long, uh, it's still one of the largest stages in use today. It's really? huge and very impressive. Uh, all right. It's, uh, yeah, today it remains the largest indoor theater in the world. So there you mm. go. Uh, and on this day, December 26, 1973, The Exorcist opened. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Which I feel like is a great way to, to come down after Christmas, come right? Come down off of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. There's been, like, a lot of talk I saw today that, like, the 
the second week of the Star Wars box office has not been very very good. Like it's been pretty crummy compared yeah. to the last few of yeah. them. And then the argument is, well, it's like Christmas, like it's a bad weekend to go to the movies. Especially with Christmas falling on the weekend. Yeah, on the weekend. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I feel like that's a tradition for people, right? I yeah, I, I usually go to the movies yeah. on Christmas for yeah. some reason. I think or for some people, but I think probably the number of people for whom it's a tradition is smaller than the number of people who casually go to the movies on the weekend. I'm out there. I'm trying to get in there. Apparently Jumanji's doing very well. Yeah. And sucking a lot of that Star Wars uh like family side away. Mm. I watched the new Star Wars movie this weekend, by the way, as oh, yeah? like a non Star Wars fan. I put up the Uticast review of it. It was very official. It just said I liked it. Good. Uh, it was I don't it was like when I went to go see that Lord of the Rings movie. I saw the second one with a bunch of people, but I never saw the first one. So for the first ten minutes, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. Right. I have no who who are these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I I bought into it. I like all the young actors. My dude Oscar Isaac is in it. It's a big fan. Oh, you love that guy. Love yeah. Oscar Isaac. Uh, all right. Yeah. You Star Wars guy at all, honey? Uh, I'm not a Star Wars guy. I am a Lord of the Rings guy. So just watch really? yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I knew that about you. Deeply, deeply to my core. Yeah. Did you read the books when you were a kid? Or one hundred percent. I still read the books. I'll read the books tomorrow. Huh. Yeah. I guess oh, that yeah. make your Game of Thrones. He was guy making too, money right? the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that and that both that and Harry Potter are lackluster and Cliff gets upset. Oh, you're out of your mind. Oh. Oh, it's true. I, I, I can't get behind the Harry Potter. I've tried. Um Harry Potter is for children. It's children's writing. Lord of the Rings is the greatest trilogy ever made. Star Wars fans. What is so Lord of the Rings with that swarm they they walk and then fight and then walk and then fight. Don't worry about it, alright? Fight. No, no, that's the Hobbit. Wait, is The Hobbit not The Lord of the Rings? Oh, Same book, right? The Hobbit is a character in The oh, Lord of the Rings, oh right? That's a good point. In Wait, the Lord is of the, the Rings... Hobbit the Lord? <laughs> is he the Lord of like, the Rings? Okay. <laughs> let me start from the beginning. <laughs> or does he? Yeah, let me start from the beginning. <laughs> all right, so uh, before we close up here today on this... One uh, ring to rule them all. They were forged in the fires of... Never mind. Go on. I thought they were five golden rings. What if it's rings? Lord of the Rings, plural? Oh. No, I think five golden rings is the Christmas song. Isn't the um, Christmas song about Christmas. the Lord of the Rings? Oh, 12 Days of Christmas? I assume, yeah, they're both long and insufferable. They, so, I don't really... I, I, I'm sorry, I had to work that one in. All right, a uh, couple, quick, couple quick, quick, ah, quick Christmas facts before we close up shop. Cliff, I want to thank you for joining us today, by the way. It's we, a pleasure. Thank you, buddy. It's yeah. nice to see you. Did you finish that bottle of wine? Is that gone? Oh, this is it. <laughs> you might have it. to open your wine bottle-shaped present that I gave you. I'm going to absolutely <laughs> open it. The self-loathing's not gone yet, and neither is the wine. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, obviously, number one, uh, it wasn't always on December 25th. There's mm-hmm. one for you. There's no mention of December 25th in the Bible, uh, and most historians believe that Jesus, uh, the guy who the holiday was originally about before Santa, uh, was actually born in the spring. Mm. <clears throat> so there you go. Huh. 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 All right, number two. Uh, where do you guys think Christmas trees came from? Where are they credited to being from? The woods. That's, that's a great point. Uh, yes, the Germans are credited for first bringing evergreens into the home and decorating them. It wasn't until uh, Germany's Prince Albert introduced the tree to his new wife, England's Queen Victoria, that the tradition took off in 18. 18- 48. Must have been wild to be the first guy to be like, man, you know, I love Christmas so much. I'm just so, you know, you know what? I'm going to go out in the yard. I'm going to snatch this tree. We're going to bring it in the house and decorate it because I love Christmas. Uh, Santa Claus, you know him. He uh, historically wears a red suit, right? Uh, that was not always the case. Do you know who came up with the idea for the red Santa Claus suit? Who? A marketing Walmart. company, an advertising company. Uh, a major conglomerate company. <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, Coca-Cola in 1930. Mm. Stop, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. San- yeah, Santa wore a variety of colorful suits of the years. Red, blue, white, green. But legend has it the popular image of his red coat came from the 1930s ad from Coca-Cola. Wonderful. 
Um, let's they see. also invented the polar bear. Hmm. Did they? Yeah, that's true. yeah. They, most people don't know that, but uh, yep. First time a polar bear was invented, Coca Cola. Uh, do you know you know Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? Are you familiar with him? I'm aware. Yes. Do you know what he initially was before they changed it to Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? Oh, it was something weird. Yep. I remember hearing about this. Uh-huh. Reginald the Blue Nosed Reindeer. That is significantly different. Yeah, copywriter named Robert L. Mays first invented the oddball reindeer in 1939 as a marketing gimmick for Montgomery Ward's holiday coloring book. His nose wasn't originally going to be red. Do you know why? Because the negative connotations of red nose and people with drinking problems. Yes, that is correct. Uh, the red nose is really? viewed as a sign of chronic alcoholism. Wow. <laughs> he didn't want the. He didn't Are want you like accusing it. me or anything. No, no. That's why uh, when you no. look at Steve Bannon, <laughs> that's why Steve Bannon's oh, yeah, nose always looks so angry. Yeah, for sure. Is that it? Because yeah, he's yeah. gin soaked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that smell. Huh? Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, do you know that juniper berries and racism? Mm, a terrible combination. <laughs> uh, did you know that uh, Jingle Bells was not originally a Christmas song? It was originally a Thanksgiving song. Uh, yeah, it was first performed on Thanksgiving. What are people doing out here? Uh, <laughs> Everything was... you know is a lot. It's, it's true. Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> Christmas is actually a very dangerous holiday. Uh, we're going to guess, on average, how many Americans visit the, go to the ER uh, because of Christmas-related injuries Gotta during, be a ton. during the season. Mm. I'll give you a hint. It's uh, five figures. Five figures. figures. Five figures, yeah. 67,000. Five figures. It's a big number, okay? I don't know. What do you want from me? I'm just saying. I I don't know. 15,000 Americans visit uh, the emergency hospitals each November and December from holiday-related accidents. Uh, To top it all off, dried Christmas trees spark hundreds of fires. An average of 17 deaths and $13 million in property damage happens annually, annually because of it. That's why you get it. I'm sometimes afraid to leave our fake Christmas tree on because I feel like the lights are going to explode sometime and the tree will set on fire. <laughs> I do. That's my. No, that's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, here's uh, here's another final one for you. What do you guys know about Washington Irving? Washington Irving uh, wrote the Sleepy Hollow, Headless Horseman, Ichabod Crane. All yes, that stuff. that's right. Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, he also came up with the idea of Santa's flying sleigh uh, in the sketchbook for Jeffrey Crayon, an 1819 series of short stories. Irving recounted a dream where St. Nicholas flew across the sky in a wagon. According to legend, his stories were so popular that they sparked a Christmas fervor in the United States and even England, so much that Charles Dickens reportedly was inspired by Irving when his uh, when making his own holiday classic, A Christmas Carol, which I've seen in films but never read. So, mm. There you go. Christmas facts. That's it. I'm going to take a shower and get ready to go back to eat more food. There you go. I don't know what Angela made tonight. I'm very excited. Go. Looking forward to it. I'm going to make some lasagna. Put a shirt on, maybe. I'm excited. I'm, we're going to have uh, family Christmas tonight as well. We yeah. get back, I assume. I'm yeah. going to try and get everyone to come over. I hang. would imagine people will start. It's Monday Night Raw as well. Christmas oh. Monday Night Raw. Oh, wow. I can't believe it's Monday and Christmas. It seems weird to do the podcast and then it's Christmas. It's true. It'll be up earlier than normal, too. Interesting. Yeah. All right, uh, you can follow Cliff Montoni on Twitter at... I don't have the internet. No, you don't have the internet? Oh. <laughs> Out of your mind? protesting because of net neutrality. I don't need people to know what I'm doing. Go visit Cliff Montoni Saturday night starting at 8 o'clock at John Devereaux's Tavern. That's where you need to be. in beautiful martinis right. and all sorts mm. of other libations. Young wear a shirt. The martini. You should wear this. You should wear this. This is what I'm wearing. I think that's a strong look. Boom. Uh, follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan, Heather at Heather Waz One. She'll be back next week. Can't wait to see her and give some gifts. Uh, I am SF Doom, but follow the show instead at Uticast. We're also on Instagram, SoundCloud, Facebook, uh, madeinutica.com. Also go to uticast.com for all back 
episodes and current episodes. Uh, Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Uh, Woodstock lives. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. And we will see you in the new year, I think. Uh, yeah. Will there be wine? There'll be wine. <laughs> 